Hey all, hey 2020, happy new year everyone, even though I know we're into February already or well, almost at the end of February now, god it goes so quick, <laughs> anyway guys, hello everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex podcast for 2020, I'm Jawad as always, joining you for another season of epic podcasting proportions, well perhaps not as epic as you might think, but you know, I'm here, I'm back, I'm ready to do another season of podcasting, Formula One, supercars, other motorsports, other sports, and just anything in general that that comes to mind, anything pertinent that I wish to to talk about and stuff, you know, not, you know, that I'm going to get heavily political or anything like that, but, you know, just anything good that's on my mind, I'd be happy to share it with you guys, and yeah, it's... um been some time obviously since December the last time we're on air doing our season reviews for supercars and formula 1 individually um a lot of water has crossed under the bridge and you know that's something that I seem to say quite a lot at the moment you know water crossing under the bridge a lot of it's happened and stuff and it's true though we all evolve and move on as humans it's it's natural you know change is important sort of thing so you know a lot has obviously changed and evolved since then too, you know, whether it's in F1 or supercars, you know, changes on the grid, change in regulations, um, change in landscape and, and climate and all that sort of thing. So, you know, this is why this year I think is going to be very interesting when it comes to just looking at motorsport in general and how um, it fits in with the rest of the world with what's going on as far as um, climate change and all that is concerned and I'm going to talk quickly about that before you know um, give you a bit of a lowdown of what's been going on in the last few months since December of course we had Christmas and New Year hope everyone enjoyed whatever celebrations they had whether it was family with family uh, or with loved ones friends etc and now we're back into the business you know we're back into work our everyday lives blah 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 whatever whatever's going on for you hope it's all good um a couple of things though that you know i wanted to talk about quickly off the bat to um what i got up to in the off season you know it doesn't seem like it was long but you know it felt like it was a while um since i was last on on air doing a podcast you know obviously this is a weekly routine once it all starts up and you pretty much do it till the end of the year and then you get eight weeks away where, you know, you don't have to do much, but you always stay busy, you know, I work full-time as well away from my motorsport writing and podcasting, whatever I've chosen to commit myself to um, as as a hobby or whatever, so yeah, if the full-time work keeps you busy as well, you're thinking about other things, planning for new and exciting things as well, you know, which, you know, I'll share with you guys, um, probably you know, in a few weeks time or even a month or two time, you know, about what I've got planned for this year. But, you know, as far as what I got up to anyway, so Bathurst 12 hour, straight off the bat, you know, if you guys follow me on social media, you would have known that I was um, at Bathurst for the 12 hour again. Has to be one of my favorite events on the calendar, motorsport events in general, because, you know, Bathurst, it's, it's my favorite racetrack in the world. Not that I've been to many racetracks over the world. Um, I've only been to Yas Marina, actually, um, in Abu Dhabi for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, but hopefully we can change that. But, yeah, Bathurst is just incredible. Um, You had key events 
that I watched as well on the TV, Daytona 24-hour race always is such a, a highlight for many at the start of the year, at the start of the calendar year, I should say. And then, of course, um, Formula E, which I've watched the last two E-Pre's. I didn't watch them live because of the, the timing and everything, but put on the replay as soon as I woke up on the Sunday morning and um, before looking at social media too, so I didn't have any spoilers as to what happened. And yeah, both the Santiago and Mexico E-Prix, Mexico, of course, just last weekend, they were really, really exciting, really getting into it now. Um, and I've got to thank the the guys at Regen uh, E-Racing Podcast for that. So shout out to you guys again. Happy New Year if you guys are tuning in. Um and yeah, you know, always listen to what they have to say on Formula E. They they are the authority when it comes to that. I just you know I'm still learning my way around it and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully, perhaps later in the year, I can give a bit a bit more of a um, in depth look at it. But yeah, no Rolex Twenty Four, the Daytona um, event, really really cool. And then to realize that a lot of the drivers who did that event then flew halfway around the world to Bathurst just under in, a, in under seven days, basically, for the Bathurst 12-hour is incredible. Um, obviously, Chaz Mostert, the highlight there at um, Daytona, winning the GTLM class for BMW with Augusto Farfus as well, who came out and was his teammate at the um, Walkenhorst BMW team for the 12-hour you know, that's just incredible, but then other guys like, you know, Scott Dixon, he was a highlight to see at Bathurst as well, first time obviously racing in Australia for quite some time, he said, and just an incredible person, um, so so easy to talk to, you know, you would think that someone who spends, um, who's a incredible champion over there in America, an IndyCar, five-time IndyCar champion, would have a different personality altogether but no he was really easily approachable and um you could just you know ask him some easy questions and he'd be happy to answer to them he didn't really shun you away so you know I was really impressed when I met Scott Dixon and you know got his autograph and everything too which was which was great you know sometimes I still like doing a bit of autograph hunting but you know it's not as um much as I used to back in those days, but yeah, no, Bathurst, always incredible, this year I was able to take part in the Track to Town event as well, which they introduced last year with only a handful of participants, but this time they actually made the whole field do it, so that was like about 30-odd cars that they got to drive from Mount Panorama, the circuit, to the centre of town, so they closed off, you know, one of the main roads in the Bathurst Township, actually, just across the road from where we were staying too, so that was quite convenient, just dump the luggage and um, head straight to the to the uh, meeting point, so, you know, you had all the cars driven down from the circuit on, you know, a proper township roads and everything, which I got some pr- pretty cool photos, you got to say, um, going around a roundabout, you know, you got your McLaren 720S, your GT3 car, you got the Porsche, you know, the Bentley, it's just all great cars, you know, it's so cool, and then, of course, the drivers just being available to, to talk to, mingle with, get some photos, or um, even autographs, um, and that went on for about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, so very generous with their time, and, you know, you don't see a lot of events sort of do that, you know, supercars even for the Bathurst 1000 haven't done anything like that, but because of what the 12-hour has done, they are kind of um, investigating it to whether they should do it, um, 
should do it in the future, which would be good to see. But, you know, Bathurst, the 1000 is a totally different event to the 12-hour. Um, so many different uh, types of people, of course. It's a lot less busy as well, the one, uh, the 12-hour than the 1000. Um, 40,000 something people for the 12 hour across the weekend or for race day not a big number when you consider you can get a hundred thousand in for the 1000 but i prefer that anyway that's just personal preference because it means you can be closer to the action it's a lot more mellow the event too um not a lot of people uh wasted or on the or on the drink um as you would have at the 1000 but it, it's just an enjoyable weekend it was a hot weekend too got to admit um, but just overly enjoyable, you know, got some really good photos this time too, learning every day almost about my camera, the 1200D that I use, Canon, um, and, you know, some really good photos that came out of it, some of which I've posted on Instagram, some of which I haven't, you know, but they're on my wallpaper, uh, on my computer, I've got them on a rotating slideshow, so, yeah, you kind of look at them every day and you're like, wow, I did that, <laughs> so cool. Um, and yeah, massive congratulations to Bentley who finally won the event, uh, won the 12 hour race on the Sunday in the number seven car, of course, Maxime Soule, Jordan Pepper and, uh, Jules Gounon, Bentley have been trying for many years to, to win the 12 hour and then, um, they finally added their name to the roster of manufacturers who've already done it, you know, Ferrari, Audi, Mercedes, McLaren, Nissan, Porsche, I'm pretty sure there's someone else in there too, but maybe, maybe that's it, maybe that that is all the manufacturers that have won so great job from those guys and it was really weird the last sort of hour of the race we had all sorts of weather coming so you know from the side at the top of the mountain you've got a massive dust storm brewing then coming in from the town side you've got this massive rainstorm so you know here we are in the middle of the circuit it's like what's going to happen when they two hit but um thankfully for the guys racing there wasn't any rain until the checkered flag fell so basically when the Bentley crossed the line is when the when the rain started falling so that made for an interesting podium um, ceremony of course me trying to keep my camera covered I want to get some good photos of the podium but of course I don't want to get it wet um, and behind them of course we had uh, McLaren you know last minute put together team the garage not garage 59 but um 59 racing mclaren customer racing bringing in two cars one of them in the pro class and a silver class entry which you know the silver class car won its class um and finished eighth overall too which was quite cool um fraser ross dom story and martin codrich of course behind that car great combination and fraser ross of course you know if you follow australian gt championship is is a regular there for mclaren same with Dom's story and then of course in the um, number 60 car which was the pro entry Ben Barnicot Alvaro Parent um, former winner of the 12 hour of course with McLaren um, were there and um, oh, just Tom Blomquist there you go I was going to say the the name of the other driver escapes me that would be quite um, quite embarrassing actually given that I was supporting McLaren all weekend there and I uh, forgot the the driver's name there you go, and then of course the local guys, Triple Eight, get on the podium too because of a last-minute penalty to the Grupa M car. Um, Raffaele Marcello, of course, uh, in that car, Maxi Book as well, and um, yeah, 
this time I have forgotten the name of the la the other driver. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's a big grid, and to remember all the drivers is is pretty difficult. But then I do know the drivers of the Triple Eight car for um, also a Mercedes. Yeah, Jamie Wincup, Shane Van Gisbergen, and, and uh, Maxi Goats in there. So good on them to get on the podium. Of course, two of the two of the Triple Eight drivers, uh, two of the Red Bull Holden Racing Team drivers. So yeah, that was Bathurst, um, great weekend away, as always, already got the accommodation booked in for next year, even though we don't know the exact date of the event, and this is where there was a bit of conjecture, because um, when you look at the calendar for next year, you've got the 31st of January, um, which is on a Sunday, but that's also the date of the Daytona, Daytona 24-hour, and then the following weekend after that, the, the 6th of Feb, uh, you got the Kialami race um, in the WEC Championship, so it's definitely not going to clash with Daytona because they've a lot of the drivers who do Daytona will obviously come over to do the 12-hour um, because they race, you know, the GT or the um, the DPI class or whatever. But I reckon maybe it will clash with the Kialami race next year. I hope so because that's the dates that I've booked the the accommodation for. So I don't want it to have to to change that at the last minute or scramble to find something else you know it's always wise to do it um 12 months in advance so you don't have to fork out like you know a million bucks probably it's not that bad but you know got to be frugal times are tough (laughs) um but yeah no so overall such a great event if you guys haven't been to it before or you you plan on coming to australia and want to see some good racing then come in february see see the bathurst 12 hour stay for a month stay for two months then you can see the australian grand prix too you know do the double or even go to adelaide to see the adelaide 500 for the um supercars which is on this weekend so this is why today or this week was the right time to get back into the um, podcasting caper because we have the supercars adelaide 500 on this weekend so Really looking forward to that, and I'm going to preview it a bit later on to talk a bit about what's going on as far as manufacturers are concerned as well, given the news of GM retiring the Holden brand at the end of this year. A lot of, um, you know, I know I don't want to get all somber and um, negative on you already, but there's also been a lot um, of bad stuff happening as well. Um, the bushfire devastation that we've had uh, nationwide obviously intensified over the holiday period December January um, all across the nation of course you know early November it was you know mainly Queensland and New South Wales but then throughout the holiday period in Victoria as well um, had a lot of devastation and everything but the response has been fantastic you know everyone sort of bonded together as a community we've had charity concerts and charity games for cricket and also AFL next week doing a a state of origin charity match too you know Victoria versus an all-stars team Um, but you know it's just brought all these issues into light you know about you know what what's going on with the climate and all that sort of stuff Um, and while you know some people probably disagree or want to deny that um, there are some certain truths that we all have to face and this is where organisations like Formula One are looking at sustainable a sustainable vision of the future you know whether it's um, 
you know, in automotive, the indie automotive industry, um, through hybrid cars using synthetic fuels, you know, even looking at alternative forms of transport for, you know, long distance traveling and freight and all that sort of stuff, but even just events, you know, single use plastics, all that sort of stuff. I mean, some people say that it's a, it's a lost cause, you know, we're already too far gone, what's the point of doing anything? But changing mentality, I think, is the, is the main thing where if we can start educating perhaps a new generation of people if you know you can't change the older generation what they think and how they think in regards to this sort of thing then we can always work on changing the next generation because of course they're the ones who are going to be the influence in you know 10 20 years time 30 years or however long so but yeah first and foremost you know just absolutely devastated that the whole country has had to go through this. Um, the communities that have been wiped out, the people who've been directly affected, who've lost homes, who've lost family members, loved ones, um, who just basically have to rebuild their lives. It is, you know, just unspeakable how much we all feel about this. I feel about it. I feel really, really sad for those guys and hope that, you know, they can they can rebuild with the help of you know of whether it you know with the help of the charities and you know all this money that's been raised and everything so you know um i'm wishing them all well so that would be yeah that would only make me really happy if you know we can we can see them all recover and get their homes back and rebuild the the communities that have been lost also too um bit of heartbreaking news uh on i guess early on in the year we had to experience um the sad passing of kobe bryant um and his daughter killed in a helicopter crash uh the 26th of january you know that is basically i guess the fragility of life you know how so young Kobe of course his daughter as well um 13 year old being a part of that um and and they're gone you know they'll leave behind uh, his wife a mother the other the other children siblings and yeah the world really reacted quite um emphatically emotionally over this because he was an icon you know maybe he was not the same icon as Michael Jordan or even LeBron James at the moment as being an all-round player but you know for I guess my generation growing up we didn't have Jordan playing but we had Kobe he was the guy who um, all the young people looking to get into basketball were looking up to and all that sort of stuff and then the dynasty that he was a part of with the Lakers as well in that period in it was it was defining it was generation defining so this is why it's such a huge loss and you know we saw um in the f1 testing the first day last uh yesterday uh daniel ricardo sporting a nice purple helmet in tribute to kobe and um with the uh the slogan i guess the mama mentality on the back of his helmet too so you know that really was it was pretty sad to to hear that bit of news and i'm sure a lot of people felt the same way so yeah, sorry guys, a lot of negativity straight off the bat, not what I intended, but 
I guess this is why I titled this episode Hereafter, you know, not just because it's one of my favourite songs by a um, band I love called Architects, but also it's it's a sign of moving on and having your eyes forward um, and looking forward to tomorrow, you know, here we go, Holden, the demise of Holden in supercars or as a brand in Australia in general, you know, that has brought out a lot of emotion this week and a lot of people upset and angry, but there is some positives to come from it too, you know, and while a lot of people think that supercars, uh, while a lot of people think that supercars might uh, be worse off or might not survive in the future, well, this is the time to put that to the test and see if they can because the automotive industry is changing globally at all times, you know, and I had a good conversation actually about this with uh, Radio Le Mans commentator John Hindoff um, at the the little meetup they do every Friday at the Bathurst 12 hour um, over a few drinks. It was good catching up with him and talking about this sort of stuff that has been on my mind for quite some time about, you know, what is the bigger picture and what are these um, giants of the industry doing? You know, we talked about um, Formula One and their carbon neutral future and also you know electric cars you know what's is that the solution or just a band-aid or whatever um what the uk are doing as far as you know banning all petrol and hybrid cars diesel cars from 2035 is is that actually going to happen and whether the infrastructure's there or not to to do it so you know some good knowledge taken away from that um that conversation but as far as supercars and holden is concerned well i guess the decision to scrap it um, Scrap Holden follows the global decision by GM General Motors, who of course own um, the Holden brand in the US, uh, have decided to scrap all right-hand drive cars. So you know, poor sales is basically the the bottom line. You know, and in, in the Australian market in particular, where Holden is meant to be, you know, one of the best brands in the country. Well, you know, no one's been buying Holdens. You know, and even though Holdens have been badged badged up over the last few years you know there have been different models that they've brought in like you know the insignia which has been the new commodore or the the last ever commodore that we're going to have um it's just yeah the product has not been selling so for that you know you can see the justification to uh scrap the brand because of poor sales but at the same time when it comes to supercars and racing is concerned um they've always had or for a long time they've had the win sunday sell monday philosophy but that's not really worked has it you know in the last decade you could say or pretty much since car of the future came you know when we had the um vf commodore um the philosophy for win sunday sell monday hasn't really worked given that holden has actually been quite successful in that period in that car of the future period winning most of the championships bathurst 1000 victories as well um, despite all that success, it's done nothing to help them, um, and this is where we're at this situation today. And given the change in the automotive landscape globally, does supercars look like a bit of a dinosaur amongst all that? And you kind of have to say, yes, it does, because you don't see many categories out there with big, you know, big V8s, normally aspirated, um, big sedan cars, apart from NASCAR maybe, but even then, you know, there's a lot of differences you know when you look at things like 
Super GT or DTM, you know, you've got hybrid units, uh, power units being introduced, you know, smaller engines, turbocharged, um, trying to keep it in line with what the automotive, um, sorry, trying to keep it in line with what the um, car maker is doing at the time. And I guess four-door sedans are, are dead pretty much, you know, most people buy like, you know, small SUVs or, you know, utility vehicles, hatchbacks, and I'm not saying that, you know, supercars should go down the path of the hatchback, which, you know, TCR is doing, and as kind of cool TCR is, it's not as exciting as, you know, your big, um, your big supercar, you know, bring on the thunder, bring on the sound, and, you know, you get the, the drivers in there as well, and they're quick too, compared to the TCR cars, so what is the future for them? I reckon perhaps going down the coupe, route so you know what we've got with the Ford Mustang at the moment but perhaps you know change in the regulations when they bring in Gen 3 in 2022 you know make sure that they actually change the chassis so it can suit a um a coupe car with a lower roof you know not have to do what they did with the Mustang last year and um raise the profile of the roof so it can fit the uh the supercar's control chassis and then as a result of that then they've had to change the aero quite a bit too um, having big front, or sorry, big rear wing, and that's basically what's given them the advantage, and we had all this drama and hoo-ha about, you know, parody and all that, so that's probably the, the thing that they're going to do in the future, and I'm not a believer of that supercars is going to be dead as a result of this, definitely not, um, but I think this is going to be a challenging time for them to sort out what they're going to do as far as their regulations are concerned but they're going to make the right decision in the end and two of the things that they're going to have to look at as well especially with trying to attract new manufacturers is sustainability and viability too so the viability side you know you've seen teams a team like GRM who's been in the sport for many many years you know two decades basically bow out because basically they could not afford to keep going racing and then racing for minor positions um so one measure that supercars has now finally introduced is um you know looking at standardizing parts and equipment which formula one is also looking at doing for 2021 so they've got the uh shock absorber this year control dampers shock absorbers from petters that'll mean that every car up and down the grid will use the same component there um, but then also for Gen 3, they're looking at, you know, a complete control front end of the car. So that means, you know, obviously the individual team does not have to spend, you know, X amount of money developing and fabricating and doing this and doing that for that. You know, it's already done there for them. And also as a result, it should even out the racing a little bit, you know, because obviously the big teams can spend a bit more money um on things like that you know which a smaller team might not be able to and it's the same story in pretty much any motorsport where you know teams with more money will obviously spend more on research and development and get these little advantages that the other guys can't so it's not a measure of it's not a measure of dumbing the series down or dumbing a sport down but it's also a way of well there's other key areas that they can invest and develop in so why do they have to do it in this part you know, the front end, forget about it. We'll just have a control front end and, you know, you can focus more on other things. 
kind of thing. So it makes sense to me now, you know, a few years ago when you were talking about standardizing components and all that sort of stuff, I'm like, oh, you know, it's going to take away from the bespoke nature of the category, you know, that everyone's different and same with Formula One, it was like, oh, but everyone's got a different design, you know, they, this is a trademark of Red Bull or trademark of Ferrari, but then when you look at it now where, you know, you can't just throw blank checks at everything anymore, you know, even when money's a finite resource or you want to try and translate that technology over to other things in the world too when everyone else is struggling, then you've got to think about making these decisions and it seems like that's the right thing to do. So, yeah, Coops could be the um, could be the future, obviously, with Ford already heavily invested with a Mustang. We could see the Camaro possibly come through. You know, GM want to still deploy a special vehicles division here in Australia to sell some cars obviously as you know whether they're Chevrolets or whatever so you know could that mean that we get the Camaro in a couple of years time Um, as for the current car the Commodore you know next year under the current homologation rules they could still race using that Commodore model but obviously without any Holden branding and you'd remember that Ford did the same thing after the factory support was pulled uh, at the end of 2014 that um, I guess they could still race the the Falcon model the FGX at the time but without any Ford branding on it so you know we could still see that as a short-term solution but overall there's going to be there's got to be more than just short-term solutions band-aid solutions there's got to be a long-term plan and um make sure that it's a viable and sustainable one and you know we'll see you know I've got faith that they can get the job done it's such a great category it's one of my favorite categories in the world for racing because it's got these really cool drivers you know really fierce rivalries between the drivers and also you know just because it's close racing that's that's it you know yes you know we're all going to miss the Ford versus Holden rivalry it's like you know two two teams in a football code or whatever two nations in cricket or rugby or whatever that have been at it for for years but through that i think you know we'll probably get a new rivalry you know if gm come with a camaro you're going to have mustang versus camaro which will be just as good as ford versus holden red versus blue so yeah at the end of the day i kind of agree with what you know the likes of Roland Dane who's the Red Bull team boss um, for Triple Eight and everything says that you know we've got a lot of fans out there for Holden who've just not been buying the product for whatever reason in the last 10 years so if that's you know the mentality which has been the mentality of supercars is that you know the fans have then got to go out and buy the product that's why they're fans well perhaps it's time to change that mentality also and um produce something that's not going to rely you know on the win sunday sell monday philosophy but perhaps you know look at something that you know other racing categories over the world are doing and as much as i love the gt racing i don't think supercars should go down a route where they converge with gt with the gt3 model or gt4 they've got to be it's got to be touring cars in a way but with with coupes i think that can be done so kind of similar to DTM but hopefully better than that so yeah watch this space and um, I'm sure throughout this year we're going to be following closely and discussing quite a bit what 
um, is going on with supercars and uh, what's going to happen for 2022 or even 2021 where um, they've come out and said that they could even fast track some development parts, uh, Gen 3 development parts into 2021 to try and um, get everyone ready or all the Holden teams ready for, you know, what's to come in the future. So yeah, let's get straight into then looking at the Adelaide 500, of course, favorite, one of my favorite events on the supercars calendar yet to go, almost went a couple of years ago when it did coincide with my birthday, but I'm sure um, it's going to be one that I'll get to hopefully next year. And after I went to Adelaide last year, I'm like, wow, what a beautiful little city. And, you know, obviously having a race there um, just on the outskirts of the city or, you know, kind of on one side of it, it it takes it over from what you see. So that'll be really exciting. I'm sure, it's going to be really hot up there as normal. But um, yeah, it's going to be good stuff. So a few key things to look at for supercars in 2020. We've had the aero balanced, of course, after what happened last year between the Mustang and the rest of the competition. A lot of VCAT testing, of course, done over the off-season. And overall, on both cars, they've reduced the aero by 10%, um, which obviously will affect the Mustang a lot more than the, the Commodore. We've also got the control dampers, on board as well from Petters. As I said before, it's a good introduction and going down the path of standardized components where, you know, it's unnecessary for, for all teams to, to fork out and develop bits that, you know, where they could all just share them. And, you know, it'd be a nice feeling for drivers up and down pit lane, perhaps some of the smaller teams to even get amongst the big teams, you know, for individual race wins and sort of that sort of stuff. Um, and then, of course, another change is that we're going to have fresh tyres for all practice sessions too, so you won't be using old tyres, um, and as a result, you could get a better form guide on a Thursday or Friday for practice than you did in previous seasons, so that's really good, they're going down that path, we've had mass changes across the field too, you know, just going to quickly run over them for you as well, so you've got, you know, Tickford Racing, of course, Chas Mostert left, went to Walkinshaw and Dreading United, running number 25, he will be, and he took his engineer, Adam Debore, with him too, which is going to be good for those guys to get that technical insight from him. Um, at his place at Tickford, Jack LeBrock steps in. He'll be driving the super cheap auto car, 55. Kelly Racing, they've downscaled to two cars, of course. Andre Heimgartner and Rick Kelly behind the wheel of two Ford Mustangs, which will be really exciting for those guys, and I think it will be really good for them too. So they've done a phenomenal 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 job over the off-season to make the switch to the Mustang, but also develop their own in-house engine for the Mustang. So that's, I guess, going to be their, you know, USP there that separates them from the other Mustang runners as they've got their own engines. And I think, you know, those two, they were really handy last year in the Nissan and Heimgartner in particular. So I'm even tipping him to pick up a win or two this season, which would be fantastic for that team as well as they transition over to the Ford side. Um... Then, of course, Walkinshaw, you've got Chaz there, but then you've got Bryce Forward, the reigning Super 2 champion, stepping up as well to be his teammate in the number two car. So how his rookie season goes, we'll be watching with eager eyes. Brad Jones Racing expands to four cars. Um, Macaulay Jones, of course, 
staying put with Nick Perk out. Then we've got Todd Hazelwood coming in to step in for Tim Slade, who's now become Scott McLaughlin's co-driver in the Enduro Cup. Um, and Jack Smith, who raced a bunch last year in a wildcard entry at Brad Jones. He'll be the fourth entry um, permanently on the grid. Uh, Team 18, of course, the Charlie Schwerkold racing camp they've expanded to two cars to accommodate scott pie so that'll be really good for that team to have two cars on board now a lot of data to be shared between the two and of course you know i like their chances as well perhaps getting up there and mixing it for a win or two because you know last year we did see mark winterbottom he was quick on occasion he got that pole position in tassie so and Scott Pye as well, he's no slouch. So it'll be exciting to see that. Um, the new team, Team Sydney, of course, it was Techno Auto Sports relocating to New South Wales, and um, they finally came to fruition. There was a lot of stuff going on over the off season as to whether this team would get off the ground and run or not. And then we had the um, launch of the season in Sydney just after the Bathurst 12 hour and James Courtney unveiling the Coca-Cola sponsored car. But Courtney's going to drive the Boost Mobile car um, this weekend. I think it might be a season long deal for that. So Courtney linking up with one of his old sponsors there. And then Chris Pither rejoining the supercars field full time. So he obviously got a go in the Enduros last year with uh GRM so good to see Pitha back on the grid full-time and hopefully gets a better crack at it than he did when he was with um, Super Black Racing as part of the uh, Tickford camp or Pro Drive back in the day. Uh, Matt Stone Racing as well expands to two cars. Gary Jacobson takes over from Todd Hazelwood and you've got a new program called the Superlight which is um, going to help young drivers transition into the main game so that's one entry being shared by two drivers uh, that'll be Zane Goddard and Jake Kostecki um, and those guys will basically split the driving duties across the year so they'll do equal amount of events leading up to the Enduros so this weekend we've got Zane Goddard doing the Adelaide 500 and then the next event the um, Australian Grand Prix support round will have Kostecki in the car and then basically they'll do the Enduros together and then Newcastle I'm assuming they're going to decide who's going to do that or based on who's got more points at that point of the season. So that's how that um, will go. Co-drivers as well, you know, not that this early in the season we've got to think too much about that with the Enduros ages away, but, you know, there's been some change too over the off-season. So Premer obviously... Uh, Alex Premer obviously out at DGR Team Penske. He's already found a home at Tickford alongside Jack LeBrock. Um, you got Tim Slade there at uh, DGR Penske. Jack Perkins as well has uh, left Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. He's off to Tickford as well to join Will Davison. Um, Kurt Kostecki will step in to partner Bryce Fullwood at Walkinshaw. Warren Luff stays put and will be with Chas Mostert. Tom Randall, of course, we've heard over the off-season he's been battling testicular cancer. We wish him all the best with 2020 and hope he can overcome this battle too. He'll be there with Nick Perkett at um, Brad Jones. Then Erebus as well have shaken up their lineup with uh, you know Luke, uh, Luke Yulden announcing that he will be retiring from full-time uh, from co-driving. I should say Will Brown steps in to replace him next to David Reynolds, and then Anton Di Pasquale will be joined by Brody Kostecki. So we're going to have all three Kostecki cousins on the grid in the Enduro for separate teams, which will be really interesting to see. 
also retiring uh, from co-driving was Stephen Richards. So James Golding has stepped into partner Mark Winterbottom and Dean Fiore will be Scott Pye's partner. So yeah, that's um, some of the enduro partners revealed. We haven't got all of them just yet. So we'll keep an eye on that as the season progresses. But early days yet, we don't have to really talk about the uh, enduro straight away. But as far as calendar is concerned, I'll say this much if you guys forgot that um, Sandown will no longer be an enduro race. That'll go back to being the Sandown 400 after the Enduro Cup is finished and we'll instead have the Bend 500. So that 500k race before Bathurst will be taking place at the Bend. We've also got no Phillip Island or Queensland Raceway on the calendar either. And then, of course, we heard over the off-season that the... Um, Pukekohe round in New Zealand over Anzac Day weekend will not take place at Pukekohe anymore due to some regulation um, over that weekend that they're not allowed to hold a, a motor race in that part of town. So they're going to go down the road in between Hamilton and Auckland to a place called Hampton Downs, which I'm sure eager motorsport fans in this part of the world will be familiar with and supercars has never raced there before but we've had some you know gt racing there australian gt championships gone there it's an exciting little circuit so i'm excited to see how supercars go over there indeed as for this weekend it's like being thrown in the deep end um the adelaide 500 a grueling circuit a lot of 90 degree corners you've got the fearsome turn eight concrete walls the heat two 250k races as well it's just it's just everything rolled into one so you know you thought you know the pre-season test that they had at the bend um, thought that was as easy well you know this is this is totally a different story and it's always a good one to start off the year with as well um and with the balanced arrow and the control parts this year we should see some closer racing we should see more little teams you could say get up there and take those individual wins like we've seen in seasons gone by you know unlike last year where it was basically the heavyweights that took out all the wins you know only three teams were able to win which was you know Red Bull, Penske and um, and Tickford so even Erebus couldn't win a race last year which was quite disappointing given that we had predicted them to be um, dark horses in the championship battle but Hopefully this year, with a bit of um, renewed confidence, they can get out there. Walkinshaw and Dreddy United as well. Um, it's not going to be a short-term recovery, but you know it would be nice to see some encouraging steps from them this year. And of course, with a multiple race winner, Bathurst winner like Chas Mostert on hand, I think you know we're going to see some good direction from those guys. And even Techno, you know, with their change to Team Sydney, James Courtney in the car too. You don't think that Courtney would have switched teams not to find success. So that'll be interesting to see how their fortunes play out. And then, of course, the rest of them too. You know, Team 18, they, they're they going to be targeting success too. And, of course, um, Brad Jones racing with those four cars. That'll be quite crucial too for them. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, of course, Jamie Wincup set to make a big announcement on Saturday as well. Uh, on his future a lot of people over the off season have been speculating as to whether this will be his final season in supercars of course the uh the goat you could say as far as championships are concerned having won seven of them he's won you know handful of bathurst wins as well um and it could be kind of a perfect swan song if he were to go out this year and 
announced that he's retiring, but then also um, win a race like Bathurst with Craig Lowndes for the last time. You know, those two have had such great success together. They won Sandown together last year, which was great. Um, so if they could go out this year and do that, that would be great. Don't know about a championship. I mean, it could happen if he's consistent this year, which he wasn't in 2019. An eighth championship would be unprecedented, but you could say early money if you got had to put early money on a Triple Eight driver to to win the championship this year. Could be Shane Van Gisbergen, I'd say. And for for Scott McLaughlin too, it's going to be a year of proving a lot of point proving. You got to say because. You know, Bathurst last year was controversial. The whole year was up in the cloud because of the aero stuff. He's, you know, it's fair to say that there's going to be a lot of speculation about his future too, whether he's going to stay in Australia beyond this year or next year. Will he go and race IndyCar? Because he went and did the test um, for Team Penske and was third fastest as well. And he's going to actually do an IndyCar race this year, the um, Grand Prix of Indianapolis, you know, the, the precursor to the Indy 500. So I guess McLaughlin, perhaps, does he want to go out as a three-time supercar champion, perhaps win another Bathurst, put to bed all those um, naysayers, all that negativity from last year? You know, I guess there is a bit of a point to prove just to... to sort of put that in the bag and, and can it. Um, but yeah, you know, this is the year where he can let his driving do the talking for the people who don't believe that last year was the case. So, so yeah, big year ahead for the championship and I guess we'll kind of know more after um, Adelaide in a few days' time. And you had to wait till the bottom of this week's podcast for me to basically say anything about F1. That's not true. I did mention F1 a couple of times at the top of the piece and in the middle. But to talk about the preseason and testing and everything and what's been going on um, during the off-season for F1, we've had to wait till the end. Um, that's not gonna. That doesn't mean that it's going to be like that all year, definitely. No, we are still very much, you know... F1 centric around here but yeah testing has commenced in Barcelona um, overnight for us here um, pretty disappointed that we've got no live footage as you know they do in the UK with Sky Sports um, broadcasting testing for the first time in its entirety um, even though Fox Sports here have got the deal with them for all the races and all the other content this year we couldn't get the testing so I'm stuck I'm stuck trying to look at live timing that doesn't even work, as we found out yesterday, and then also the live blog, um, which has been done on the Raw at the moment, um, and that's been pretty fantastic, so jump on that, and um, you'll see me chiming in a little bit, and um, seeing what uh, young Josh Kerr is doing at the moment, um, with his first live blogs in the Formula 1 um, world. It's been pretty good so far, so yeah, look forward to chipping in again tonight. Um, shout out to you, Josh. G'day, hope you're well. Enjoy doing the testing vlogs and hope you listen to the podcast as well um, this year. So yeah, all but Renault have revealed their liveries this year. Um, so far, they've got a black testing livery, um, which, you know, someone was saying to me last night, oh, you know, it'd be pretty boring if they run that, if they ran that for the whole year. I said, I'm pretty sure this is just a testing livery. I don't think Renault are that stupid to, to just have a black car for the rest of the year. 
might summarise their season if it ends up being another shocking one for them, and they do need to really have a good season this year um, to claw back the deficit from last year, which has been quite disappointing. Um, quite disappointing to see them slip back, but at the same time, their loss was McLaren's gain, and McLaren's gain is something that I'm not going to complain about too much. Um, what we did see, though, from the first days that Mercedes were on top, both Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas splitting the running and um, topping the timesheets, uh, Lewis on the hard tyres, Valtteri on the mediums, um, and of course third fastest was Sergio Perez in the Racing Point, and Racing Point taking the risk this year, well, not really risk, but going down the path of Mercedes philosophy with a front wing, so they've pretty much got the same front wing design as Mercedes, and of course, big news with them over the off-season with Lawrence Stroll, who co-owns Racing Point, um, buying a stake in Aston Martin. And of course, Aston Martin are going to be on the F1 grid as a works team in 2021, with Racing Point set to evolve into that team. So, um, big big news as far as that's concerned, of course. Lawrence Stroll, who came to the rescue for, for Force India a couple of years ago, and of course now they've transitioned over to Racing Point. Lovely livery this year. Obviously, a lot of people saying that they don't miss the Sports Pisa uh, branding on that car from last year, and they're happy to see a more pink back on the car with their principal partner, BWT. But what that has resulted in, and we're going to stray from the path once again um, from F1, is that Aston Martin now have announced that they're postponing their Valkyrie um, WEC car because they were pretty much blindsided by the announcement that um, DPI and LMP were going to unify um, where they, before Daytona, in the lead up to Daytona this year, they announced that um, Le Mans ACO rules and IMSA rules are going to align and they're going to be able to race DPI Daytona prototypes at Le Mans in the top class alongside the LMP cars. So this is going to be called LMDH because obviously they're switching over to hypercar r- rules from the next WEC season which starts in the latter part of this year. Aston Martin who were one of the first teams who got behind the hypercar um, regulations for WEC have basically gone and you know they've spent all this money and be like oh yeah you know we're going to have bespoke racing cars blah 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 and they've kind of been blindsided by the fact that oh you know now they're letting prototypes um customer prototypes which are basically what they run in IMSA to come over and join the party where they thought it was just going to be manufacturer to manufacturer um racing with these unique bespoke cars so I guess they're a bit angry about that you could say but if they don't go and go to WEC, you know, they don't race at Le Mans, they're going to have an F1 team. But I would like to see them race at Le Mans. You know, it's kind of disappointing that they've done this. But at the same time, from a financial point of view, um, what we are talking about before about viability and sustainability, they're pretty peeved that they've gone and done all this research and development thinking that the category is going to look like this. And then they've gone and made the switch the ACO, along with IMSA, have gone and made the switch and allowed DPI car cars to basically come in. So what they could do is basically just 
buy out a DPI car, put an Aston Martin badge on it and say, oh yeah, you know, we're going to go to Le Mans. That's what McLaren want to do instead. They don't want to go and build a bespoke hypercar. They think it's financially better for them to to have a DPI car, potentially, you know, United Autosports, obviously owned by Zach Brown, um, get a get their license to get some DPI cars and then rebrand them as McLarens because McLaren, of course, you know, they've got the IndyCar team this year as well, joining together with Schmidt-Peterson, um, those guys getting ready to, to get set and go. They had their testing, as I mentioned before, with, with Scott McLaughlin having taken part. So, interesting times on that front, the sports car racing front. But anyway, let's get back to F1. Um, first test, so yeah, Checo up there, third, Red Bull, fourth with Max Verstappen, a lot of laps completed. A lot of laps completed also for Carlos Sainz and uh, Danny Fiat, Charles Leclerc as well, Kevin Magnussen breaking the 100-lap barrier too. And good to see Williams, you know, have a positive start to testing as well, given that last year they basically missed the first test, didn't they, because of um, issues that they've had. So George Russell turning over 73 laps, um, ninth fastest with their car that basically looks like toothpaste, <laughs> and I'm actually the one. I'm pretty sure I'm the one who coined that. Um, well before WTF1 posted something about it last night that someone brought up, but anyway, but anyway, who cares? Um, good on them for for getting out there. Esteban Ocon, of course, in the Renault back into F1, he was able to turn the car as well. Um, alongside Daniel Ricciardo, who I said had that um, pretty touching tribute helmet to Kobe Bryant, the purple, of course the colours of the Lakers there. Um, We had some pretty big news as well as far as uh, contracts and stuff is concerned. So Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen are basically off the market for 2021 because they've signed new deals with their respective teams. So Leclerc staying at Ferrari, Max staying at Red Bull. So as far as Ferrari is concerned, that's a pretty big indicator that they've putting their faith in Leclerc as, you know, being their core driver for um, them beyond this year and into 2021. So all eyes on Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, what do they do for 2021? You know, Lewis, you could say it's going to be likely he'll stay put at Mercedes, given that there was also speculation about Mercedes F1 future as well, whether they're going to stay, whether they're going to go. Seems like they're going to stay, and then, of course, Lewis will probably end up staying too, because if he doesn't win his seventh world championship this year, which, you know, a lot of people have already said, oh, what's the point of even testing? It's already won, let's let's not do anything. <laughs> um, if he doesn't win it this year, then he's going to want to stay around at Mercedes next year to do so as well, or beyond. And then Sebastian Vettel, is this going to be his last year in F1? You're always We're always going to ask that question. He needs to have a better year than he did last year, that's for sure. But how is the internal dynamic at Ferrari going to work? You know, given the fact that um, they've already secured Leclerc, how does that play on Seb's mind? Or does he already have his mind made up about what he's doing in 2021? Maybe this is going to be a year he just... Um, what do you call... Um, is this just going to be something that he does... You know, he's got that decision already made up in his mind and is like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to go out there, have a good year, win some races, um, potentially win the World Championship or whatever Ferrari are going to do this year. Um, 
and that's going to be it. That's a, that's the swan song. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But there's plenty to play out. Really looking forward to seeing how all three of those top teams work. Given that this is just an evolution of the current rules, we should see some close racing between those guys. And it's basically going to just be down to, to set up, you know, on the day, on the weekend. Tires as well, who optimizes the tires because given how volatile they are, so I think we should have a really good season this year, even though, you know, if Mercedes win at the end of the day, it's because they're the better team. I said that last year too, they had the better execution. They weren't always the fastest, but they had the better execution and it's up to the other guys to be able to catch up and do the right thing um, to get themselves ahead. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> um, we also had news about the Chinese Grand Prix too, given that... Um, one other huge global crisis at the moment has been the outbreak of the coronavirus um, devastation through that um, and we've had a few cases of it here reported in Australia and in Melbourne in particular as well um, so but it hasn't directly affected anyone that I know which is good to hear but what has happened is that the Chinese Grand Prix has had to be postponed which is the right decision obviously given the circumstances I wouldn't be surprised if that's it for the Chinese Grand Prix this year. We're not going to have it at all. There has been talk about trying to reschedule it, or there was that talk perhaps it would swap with the Russian Grand Prix, but the Russian promoters obviously don't want to play ball because there's not enough time for them now to renegotiate, um, or sorry, to prepare themselves for having a Grand Prix in April. So we're going to have a like a three-week break in April, basically, and then get back to the next race in Vietnam, um, which was sort of kind of being speculated to be under threat, but so far all seems well for them to go ahead with it. Where do you fit in China if it's safe to race there later in the year? Well, obviously you don't want to take a week out of the mid-season break to do that. They're talking about potentially filling the week between Brazil and Abu Dhabi at the tail end of the season t to do it, but that is a logistical nightmare because you're going to basically have three races on three different continents in three weeks but perhaps what has been sort of discussed is that maybe they'll have a two-day event trial like a mini grand prix in china you know which is something that they've been talking about they want to do for 2021 is have a shortened weekend um so maybe they could trial that but look we're going to have 21 races anyway this year it would have been 22 if china is a definite and that's in itself seems like a lot you know and I guess you know Liberty Media FOM they want to have all these races um, they want to increase their global footprint but I think everyone will be pretty grateful if it just stays at um, 21 and we can not worry about China this year uh, more from not from a you know oh we don't want to go to China thing it's it's safety it's you know you don't want to risk the whole F1 circus basically getting sick and then spreading it to other people and all that sort of stuff so it is a very um you know from a health and safety point of view it's quite important it's nothing to do with commercial stuff at all and yeah I guess it will suck for China you know they'll lose a bit of money doing it but hey you know I could say something about the origins of the virus and how it all started but I'd rather not 
um, as far as, you know, trying to keep the peace here is concerned, because, yeah, you know, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about how it all happened and everything, and what the, what the circumstances around it is, but, you know, that's not my place here to, to talk about that just yet, so, yeah, that's about it then, um, wow, you know, I, seems to have gone a bit smoother than I thought it would be, usually if I take a bit of a break from podcasting, it's, you know, got a lot of coughs and splutters and, you know, all sorts of jazz, seems like the kind of day actually outside that I normally do podcasting, given that I do it mainly through the middle of the year when um, it's winter over here, it's cold, it's miserable, blah, 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 but, you know, we've still got a few hot summer days left I think to enjoy and then um, yeah we'll get into the depths of winter soon enough yay anyway that that's pretty much it though for this week hope you guys enjoy the Adelaide 500 if you're going to watch it this weekend I know I will be keep posted for all my work um, on the raw as well I'll be tweeting about it you know where to follow me um, at Dr46 my personal Twitter account and of course at hit the apex media as well make sure to get onto it iTunes Spotify you can listen to it on there you can listen to it on transistor and yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing what this year has in store for us a few exciting things planned few things yet to plan um and some all-round fun i think is due so yeah thanks guys for tuning in looking forward to 2020 and um i'll see you guys next week to talk more about testing and of course the uh, adelaide 500 wash up ciao